Hello and welcome to the Messages and Methods Livecast Life 2.0 Livestream Podcast, hosted by Encore Entrepreneurs Shelley Carney and Toby Yunus. We inspire excitement for content creation and marketing your brand and business while answering all your technology and digital marketing questions. We love to help you, our content creator friends, with actionable tips to land more clients, nurture leads, and gain trust as an expert in your industry. Chat with Shelley and Toby live every Thursday on YouTube or Facebook. Hello and welcome to Messages and Methods. I'm your host, Shelley Carney. And I'm Shelley's co-host, Toby Eunice. Today we're going to be talking about the business of being a content creator. And we are basing our conversation on a report that was put out by HubSpot and The Tilt. And these are two big businesses, big brands that work uh, very much with content creators. So they have a lot to say about it. We read through the report. And we're going to share it with you. But first... Let me take care of housekeeping. First of all, um, if we would appreciate it if before you leave today, you would like our video, YouTube likes it when you like our video, share it with your family, your friends, your neighbors, your business associates, the entirety of your social media network. That way we could grow the channel. Finally, if you are not already a subscriber, this would be the ideal time to subscribe. That way, whenever we, and when you see the notifications bell, click on the notifications bell. That way, whenever we start a live stream, you'll be immediately informed and as a result in the new. In addition to that, I want you to know that the super chat light is lit. If you go down to the bottom of the chat window and you'll see a dollar bill looking icon, click on that icon. The good folks at YouTube will walk you through making a contribution to our little project. If you're watching this stream after it has become a video, look down to the bottom of the video window and you will see a heart with a dollar sign in it. Click on that. Same process. They'll walk you through it. It's their way of saying uh, super thanks. Super thanks. Super thanks. All right. Super thanks, thumbs up. All right, Shelly, back to you. Let's kick off this, baby. All right. This is the Business of Creators Report. Our findings, conclusions, and recommendations for those of you who said TLDR, too long, didn't read. Uh, and let's get into it. But first. But first, I do want to make, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> first, I want to share with you about my course that's currently on sale. And uh, if you want to stand out online as an authentic expert, connect with your target audience and quickly create engaging content every single week, get my course. It's called how to create, publish, and distribute content consistently using the content consistency framework and schedule for weekly content marketing. You can get that at course.agkmedia.studio. And when you use the coupon, all caps, AGK saver before November 18th, you get it absolutely free. So hurry before the price jumps up. So I need to make a point. Last night you said that differently. Today you said before November 18th. Is that good through? November 18th is the last day. Okay, I'm just there trying we go. To, don't push it to the last minute. Yeah, go don't, get it. Try it's not free. Procrastination is the death of all great ideas. Oh, gosh, yes. Okay, so let's get this started. I, uh, I'm going to, this comes from a report that was done in cooperation between. Uh, HubSpot, uh, which is a business website designed for individuals like us, uh, as well as large marketing organizations, and The Tilt, which follows this material when it comes to content creators all across, all across the social media spectrum. I do want to make one point when it comes to this report. This report was actually constructed 
for the benefit of large brands, brand, uh, whether you're Mercedes Benz or Adidas, Adidas, who needs some new people now, (laughs) who needs some new social media creators. Yeah. So it was designed for them and designed. Silver sneakers. Silver sneakers. Because, you know, we're that age group. That's a brand. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, Even though I'm in that age group. I know. Um, It was designed for them to understand the content creator uh, ecosphere uh, so that they could start making decisions about how to use these individuals in the promotion of their brand, what kind of things they need to know. At the same time, they wanted to give them, they wanted to give those brands a sense of uh, the characteristics of that ecosystem, that ecosphere uh, in which content creators reside. Shelly and I consider ourselves content creators. Now we can add a lot of, number of tags to that, like entrepreneurial, senior citizens, uh, uh, extrapreneur, um, encore, encore entrepreneur, entrepreneur etc. But ultimately, lifestyle. how we make our income is by creating content. And as an example, that. Uh, uh, a promotion that Shelly just did for her new channel, that is content that she's created in order to provide income for herself. Okay. So that's the idea. I do want to make that one qualifier because I don't want HubSpot to think that we're ignoring the fact that they were targeting brands. They were, we understand that brands aren't our target market. So we thought we'd analyze it and uh, take a look at our findings, our conclusions and our recommendations based on who our audience is. Okay. Anything else you want to add to that? No, but the tilt is actually for content creators who want to be content entrepreneurs. And we kind of follow in, we draft behind them, but we have a specific audience that uh, tends to be in the second half of life. So we, you know, we take a lot of information from the tilt and content Inc and kind of interpret that for the older generation. So they start with a definition, who are creators, content entrepreneurs, are independent content creators who have built or are in the process of building their own business around the content they create and the skills associated with that content uh, creation. But more importantly, they're working towards engaging a community of like-minded individuals. And they think those two things, those two elements of a successful uh Content creator is important. You're creating content and you have a community. You have identified a community of people who might be interested in that content. Uh, 84% of the content creators that they interviewed uh, don't believe that a uh, higher education is necessary to be a successful creator. And that's been proven time and time again. Uh, as an example, I know of probably uh, at least a dozen content creators uh, who have uh, do not have college, college degrees, but are very successful at what they're doing. I do, I'd like to make the further point that my college degree has almost nothing to do with creating the kind of content that Shelly and I are creating together. Now, it's very useful in some respects, like I know how to do an interview, but mostly the degree that I got, which is a Bachelor of Fine Arts and Visual Arts, has pretty much nothing to do with what Shelly and I are doing right now as encore entrepreneurs. Uh, and then finally... Uh, 84% of the content create content because they enjoy our work. And I feel that's a big part in what you and I do. I mean, Shelly and I have to get together several times a week. In addition to that, when we're not together, we're doing things that relate to content creation, planning, 
executing, uh, experimenting with equipment. I mean, we're doing a lot of editing. different stuff, editing, <laughs> editing, Shelly editing on uh, her, the content the text, that she delivers. I edit, I edit the video. So we're, we're, we have a regular 40 hour week. And uh, I think that's important uh, because if you're doing a 40 hour week and you're not making a whole bunch of money at it, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. You've got to really enjoy what you're doing. And is especially, and I'm I'm going to throw in the senior citizen bit here. Especially if you're retired, I don't need to do this. I don't have to do this. I'm retired. I set up my Get retirement. Get to do it, and you want to do yeah, it. Yeah, makes and, it better. And, and so the the bottom line for me is that I'm getting to do things that I love doing, and therefore, and we're getting a response. We always get a response of some kind. Sometimes it's a small response, sometimes it's a big response, but we get a response and that's very satisfying. And it what motivates me to get up every morning and start challenging myself to do more things and different things and better things and try out things. So so I'm going to talk about the graph while Toby gets a hold of that uh, comment. What generation do content creators belong to? And it's got... Um, Millennials is at 35% and Gen X is at 41%, whereas boomers are only 9%. We, uh, Toby is definitely in the boomer generation. I'm what's called Generation Jones, which is actually between boomers and Gen X, but uh, because they keep shuffling us back and forth between the two generations. So um, I'm going to claim that I'm on the older end of Gen X, uh, which means I'm in, a, in, in the uh, majority. 41%, whereas boomers is only 9%. And boomers can go all the way up to in their 80s at this point. So mm -hmm. active um, boomers. Yeah. So right. they can do it, but they're less likely to be doing it. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Some and some of them relate to having to take the time to completely understand uh, the technology that's there to support them. Let me address Ron's question here. He says, can you work for individuals to promote literary works? I'm a historical fiction novelist that seeks publicity for two recent novels, Ron Perea. So, uh, Ron, we're not an advertising or a uh, publicity company. We are a content creation and coaching company. So if you want to promote your books and you're not using social media in a variety of ways for promoting those books, that's what we can help with. So for example, uh, let's say you wanted to set up a YouTube channel that had a live stream every week where you talked not only about your books, but the how you create them, why uh, uh, historical fiction is an important genre, et cetera, et cetera. So if you want to start acquiring an audience that's interested in the topics that you have to discuss, uh, and you'd like to use social media to do that, that's where we come in. That's the kind of coaches we are. We are I, I don't want to mislead you in thinking that we're either an advertising agency or um, a public relations agency. We are none of those. We help you do that yourself. So we'd be happy to have a conversation. And uh, at the end, I'll give you a link where you can set up a, a conference uh, so that we can discuss it with you. Mm -hmm. And all of our contact information is scrolling across the bottom as yeah. well. Let's we see. have Jeep Girl Jody and, and Davio in, in there. Room. It looks like they haven't seen each other in a while. Like a little relationship getting back together there. So nice to see you both in, in the room. That's right. Uh, let me see. Where uh, did, did you get this done? Yes. I, I was answering questions while you were doing that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are creators making money? 77% of the creators say they're making money. Now, that's kind of nebulous when you think about it. Well, are, are you making money? Well, you know, there are points in time 
we're uh, on a channel that we've started, we're working on, we finally get to a thousand uh, subscribers, we monetize it, they start putting advertising and we get a big check. Well, here's what's interesting. YouTube doesn't actually send you a check until you actually have made $100, right? It's, it's long after that. Now, we had a very successful channel where we were making anywhere from $1,000 to $2,000 a month. Uh, on the smaller channels, you're not making that much. And if you leverage that into other social media uh, uh, applications like Instagram or Facebook, the pay is about the same, right? It isn't until you start establishing relationships with other people or establish yourself as something more than a content creator. So, for example, if I was creating content on how to use equipment to make documentary style videos, what equipment you would use to make doc, doc, documentary style videos. Well, I would get money, I would be monetized eventually, and I would get money from the views and the advertising um, on that channel. But more than that, what I want to do are engage, engage the people who are just as interested in doing the kind of work that I do so that I can help them grow the channel. And we're going to be talking about that uh, in just a minute because we talk about exactly what kind of content you should be creating. Um, in addition to that, over uh, only 25%, a little over the 25%, are fully uh, supporting themselves via content. And I'm confident that the majority of those are single individuals rather than, you know, uh, married with families, uh, because of course that makes it much more difficult uh, to provide income. On the other hand, I see YouTube channels every day. Uh, I visit the channels because I'm curious about what, what they're doing. And I see that their videos have hundreds of thousands of views or that they have th hundreds of thousands or millions of subscribers. And, um, and I know they're making the kind of income from that that could support their family as well. So you start slow, you start for yourself. And then as you grow, you can start uh, deciding whether or not it's worth it to you uh, uh, to move into this as a full-time, more than a hobby or an avocation or a side gig, um, whether you can move into it full-time and provide support for yourself and support for your family because there's a lot of starving content creators out there and you don't want to be one of them. Well, and part of the reason that they're starving content creators is because they're treating it like a hobby rather than a business. They, but if they're, if they have a business that is supported by their content, then, then that makes all the difference. If you're, uh, for instance, you know, offering coaching or consulting, uh, to your audience and bringing in, uh, people to purchase your services and, if you have courses and they're buying those as well, then you are making money, but maybe you're not doing it consistently. So uh, the, the trick there is to find a way to bring in a consistent income. And that can take a couple of years as a content creator before you get to that level. Uh, they were asking, how long ago did you launch your creator business? And the majority, 35, 35.9% said one to three years. You're almost on the other side of the desk for yeah, that yeah, one. The uh, leading is one to three years with 35.9%. Uh, but I was surprised to see that 28%, uh, almost 30% of the individuals have been doing it for seven or more years. Well, if you're doing this for more than seven or, seven or more years and you're not making a reasonable income from it, you need to try something different. Well, actually, I don't think people would stay with it for that long. Right. They weren't be incentivized by making money at it. There's no reason to stay with it if you're not getting if some not, kind of return on it. Yeah, exactly. So how long does it take to get profitable? Profitable is 
difficult, profitability is difficult to measure because you're not quite sure at what point uh, you are being profitable. So there, there are basically two things that you have to consider. One is your investment, your capital investment in things like technology. We have a studio here. We know how much in, we invest in that studio. We actually made that money back eventually, right? Uh, and, and more uh, to pay for it. The, the additional problem is I spend a significant amount of money every month on enhancing our capabilities, whether it's vi with uh, streaming prediction uh, uh, equipment, production equipment, uh, photographic equipment, video production equipment, field video production equipment. I'm always on the lookout and I'm willing to accept that mostly because it is more than that. It, it is more than that for me. And it, it's an advocate. It's more than an advocation for me. I really like what I do and I like keeping up with the technology regardless of what which branch of the technology I'm investing. So I have some camera equipment, for example, and I don't use it, the, the photographic still image equipment, I don't use it a lot in what we're doing today. But here's an example. My son invited me to go with him on Saturday night to shoot the Marine Corps ball, uh, which happened the annual Marine Corps birthday ball every year, November 5th. And he wanted me to take portraits. I have portrait equipment. And I like using that portrait equipment, whether or not it ever applies here. As a matter of fact, the only time you see it apply in what we're doing is I get to take portraits of this beautiful lady here and she gets to use them in the promotion of her own work. Uh, but other than that, it really doesn't apply, but I am a trained photographer and I hate not knowing where the technology is. I don't, I don't want to say I hate. I prefer to know where at any given point in time the technology is because there may be a chance I'll get to use it and this Saturday I'll get to use that equipment. So, um, it, it takes on an average about six months for creators to start generating any kind of income from their effort at all. And again, that can come from a variety of ways from uh, using the social media platforms to produce income based on views and advertising all the way to be invited to speaking engagements. And you can see uh, which of the following statement best describes your creator business. 35.2%, uh, the high end, not quite, uh, it, is, it is not quite a majority but it is a plurality. My creator business earns money, but not enough to fully support me. Down as you go down, unsure does not up. Uh, my creator, this one right here, 14.8%. My creator business earns substantial money. It can support multiple people. That's where we all like to be uh, because when you're working at home with your family around you as a creator, uh, it just makes life kind of more fun until you have to get everybody out of the room to do a live stream. So, um, how patient do you have to be? Because I think you more than anyone can talk about that. Well, I think part of the reason it takes as long as it takes is because you are honing your craft. You're learning more about what it is that you are doing, what it is that you enjoy doing. Uh, you know, you're sorting through and you're doing marketing and marketing is experimentation. You have to experiment. You have to, uh, put your messaging together so that it is working to bring in clients, to bring in audience members. And that takes time. Uh, and you're not going to be making a lot of money while you're working on your marketing and, and your message. Um, except if you bring in, you know, a client and you're doing uh, done for you work. And that's how we started. We started with a client. We did, uh, we did, 
set up her studio. We helped her to set up her uh, her YouTube channel, her podcast platform, and her blog. And we got her started with all of that. And we coached her for six weeks. And that was very hands-on for us. Although we did almost all of it uh, online, it was labor-intensive for us. And that's how we brought in some money. But we couldn't take on more than one or two clients like that at a time. Uh, we also did done-for-you services for a client who would just show up and we would produce his live stream for him and he set it up to his podcast and then give him the text, the transcription, so that they could use that text. He could take that text to his marketing um, uh, marketing agency and they could take that text and work with it to create his marketing for him. So he just was kind of a, a client who just showed up and we did the work. We contracted with him for that. Um, so, but those are labor and time intensive. So although you're making those first dollars, it isn't consistent and you're trading time for money. So until you can get to a place where you have set up digital products that are evergreen, that people can go purchase at any time, and you have a membership where you know people are showing up and paying for it every month, these types of things will give you a more consistent income. And when you can turn your content creation business into a machine that, you know, you, you bring people into the funnel and money comes out the end, then that's when, you know, you can stay with it. You're, you know, you're making money, you're on top of things. And that's a place that we have to get to. And it takes time. So I recently volunteered, not volunteered, I applied to a company that needed a tutor in journalism. They do this online as a business, and they were looking for somebody that had expertise in journalism. So that's a, it's an hourly rate, right? So you do it based on the number of people that you're counseling or tutoring. Uh, but the reason that I did it is because I've always wanted to create uh, content around this, but I didn't know where kind of the market was. I knew where journalism was when I was going to college and where I used it all the way up until the 2010s. But I wanted to learn more about what people expect to hear when they talk, when they, they are tutored in journalism. That way I can start creating content around that topic because it happens to be my area of expertise. I'm not a life, unlike Shelly, I'm not a life coach. I'm a uh, practical, and I don't mean to be, I don't mean to say that's impractical, but my experience is completely different from that, but it's good experience and it's usable experience. What I would like to do, as Shelly suggests, is leverage it into evergreen content that I can put up there and people can take the equivalent of my personalized course in uh, journalism whenever they want, learn about it. And, but I, like I said, I took on this other opportunity just to see what people were asking about. I may do it for three months or six months or a year, but in that time, uh, the whole time I will be creating content in addition to what I'm providing, uh, the, the service that I'm providing uh, for these, uh, for this tutoring company. So Jeep Girl Jody, Jody says she's an accountant. Uh, so content creators, she's talking to content creators. There is no sales tax, no tangible goods to sell, correct? Although they are not tangible in the sense that they may be digital, uh, you are making money. And as a matter of fact, on every social media platform uh, on which you generate revenue in the form of advertising or views, at the end of the year, they will send you a 1099. Uh, so you have to report that on your taxes as income. In addition to that, if you're selling products like we do, for example, we sell a publishing service and people pay us for that publishing service. 
you know, publishing their book on Amazon. So we have to either collect sales tax on that, or eventually we have to report that as part of income and pay sales tax on it. So there are, it's not, it's not business activity independent. You still have to treat your, uh, treat content creation like a business. And that means right out front, you get your, here's one for you. You get an accountant, an attorney, and uh, a bank. And you make sure that uh, you understand the kind of business that you're getting into. It is not, the content creation is not frivolous and it is not rule and regulation free. It is just as much a business and has the same requirements for business as the others. Every year I file a tax return for AGK Media Studio that has to be correct in terms of our earnings, our expenses, and the taxes that we owe or uh, that will be refunded. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a business and you may not have tangible goods, but you do have tangible services, I guess, especially if you're coaching. Let me go down again. Uh, let's see. Sally Carney, live stream coach. There's been great to see you guys grow and learn. I'm confident it will pay off. Thank you. We believe so too. And, and we feel uh, we feel like uh, it has in a lot of different ways, uh, including income. I mean, we've made income. and uh, But more importantly, we get to do a lot of fun things. We get to do them together. It's made our friendship uh, stronger and healthier. And we rely on uh, each other for a lot of things besides building content, you know, doing presentations. Uh, she is, and I've said this often, not only my best friend, uh, my business partner, but she's my best friend. And I think that's that's a, a healthy byproduct of what we're trying to accomplish in building a business. She just pointed out, and she wrote it down, as soon as we're finished with this and she processes the show, we're going to spend the afternoon on building a new website. Well, I'm not... I don't have that kind of patience, but she does. What I have is the technical <laughs> skills to figure out what she wants to do. So and I have to talk get it him on. into it. Yeah, yeah. Bribe him to get it done. So, but it's <laughs> it's. But again, I think being able to do that together when one of you doesn't really want to do it, not not. I don't want to say it that way. When one of you can think of a lot better things to do that they would rather be doing, right? Uh, I think that's an important part of the relationship uh, development process that goes along uh, with doing what we do. Um, uh, next, slide. next slide. Okay, so how do you succeed as a content creator? Uh, the research that they collected indicates that 70%, uh, or I'm sorry, 64% of content creators consider it a full-time job, meaning that's all they're doing. Now, can can Shelly and I call what we're doing a full-time job, although we're mean, we not be working 40 hours a week? I mean, that's 80 hours a week between the two of us. The answer is yes. We don't do anything else to generate revenue. The other things that we do, for example, I'll use the Marine Corps ball. I'm doing that as a favor to my son. I'm not a photographer. I mean, I'm not a working photographer. Prof I am a professional, right? I know how. Uh, <laughs> But I you don't just charge don't, for it. But I don't charge for it. You don't make so, a living as a photographer. I, right. Nor do I want to. It's a lot of work. I did that. I was successful at it. And so when I get a chance to use my uh, uh, equipment and do a favor. Once a year is good. Once a year is good. I'll do a favor for my son <laughs> and the Marine Corps, uh, even though I wasn't in the Marine Corps. Uh, I can do that. So uh, I feel like what Shelly and I do together is a full-time job. 
for us. We don't have any side gigs. Everything, if, when Shelly says she's created a course or she has a new video, those aren't side gigs. Those are an extension of what we do in this room uh, and how she uses it and her studio at her uh, own house. 35% consider it a side gig or hobby. And and I, I think it's beyond that being that for us. We spend too much of our time. I mean, we spent this morning planning what we're going to do this weekend because we had a plan whether it's going to step into it. So we have to consider. So we're going to work this one way or the other. We're going to work this weekend. And um, and that's not a side gig. That that for us is a full-time job because it, you know, if we say we're going to work on Sunday, one of the things that we have to consider is who do we have to tell that we're going to be working on Sunday? Because there may be other other people involved. Shelly has a husband that she has to consult with with all these things. He may not want her to go out on Sunday. And we have to consider that and make changes about it. But but it's a full-time job for us. Uh, being a content require, requires a to be a successful. I think I'm going to qualify this because I didn't write it in there. Being a successful content creator requires a significant investment in time and resources. Money, manpower, uh, equipment. Uh, time, etc. You have to be willing to make that investment. And sometimes you're not going to get it back right away. Um, I'm talking with Shelly, uh, Shelly's husband, Kevin, who happens to be a very good friend, my, my best male friend, I'd say. Um, I felt like I need a new computer where well, there's something that Kevin's really good at that I'm not. He can take the parts of a computer and put it uh, together into something that works. Uh, and I needed something that provided, because I'm doing progressively more editing for uh, New Mexico day trips, I needed something that I could A, trust, would work consistently, and B, work faster than my current computer. Now, my current computer is a high-end computer, but it's about five years old. And it just takes forever to render a video. Well, it takes forever to boot up. Yeah, <laughs> I turn yeah. mine on nowadays, and it's like ready to go in 30 seconds. Well, Kevin <laughs> Kevin and Shelly invested in putting a new computer to uh, together for her. And when we started talking about things like boot up time and how long it takes to render, render a 15-minute video, um, I was really surprised to hear it because I thought, nah, this is pretty good. What I know now is it's not good enough, but he did that for her. He put it together for her. Uh, it's a $1,300 to $1,500 investment, but it's going to save me hours and hours worth of editing time. It's going to pay for itself in and a couple of months. And frustration. Yeah. <laughs> You're crashing. Be so happy when it uh, turn on the computer and it's ready in 30 seconds. Well, the other thing too is I think I mentioned to Shelly that it takes 45 to 50 minutes to render a 15 minute long video. And she says, oh, no, it takes me eight minutes, which is like, oh, why am I not doing that? Yeah. <laughs> That's time, and time is valuable, and I want to get some of that time back. Um, and if I can and if I can invest 1300 bucks, and I know that I can get it back in terms of – and not necessarily in terms of dollars, but in terms of time, that's more important to me because time at my age and what I do is always more important than money. I know that sounds crazy, but it is. I think that's true. And then uh, finally, successful creators keep up with trends. Um, uh, publish timely, high-quality produced content and regularly publish to multiple social media platforms. And you, you've heard Shelly talk about this as kind of the, the approach that we take to things and what she advises. As a matter of fact, if you uh, do invest in her uh, course that she suggested at the beginning of the program, you're going to find that it repeats all of these platitudes, if you will. 
that's what you have to do in order to be successful. Uh, because if you do it sparingly, if you do it intermittently, if you don't do it well, I mean, the key component is uh, you do it well and you do it in a timely manner and you do it in a consistent manner. And you're going to hear that in Shelley's course. Can you see that? Um, no, Not really. okay. So which business strategy is the most profitable? You can see down here, the most profitable business strategy is consulting and coaching. So if you are an expert in me, like me in documentary making, then, uh, and you've got, you know, 40 years experience and, it, and your education applies to it and you're successful at it, then maybe you should consider being a coach. In the case of Jody, if she's good at accounting and she specializes in small content or content creators, the small business of content creators, maybe she should coach in that as, a, as a, in addition to providing the service, maybe she could build a uh, content creation strategy around coaching for that, because I know everybody, most content creators, the last thing they think about is the legal the, and the accounting and the banking things that they have to be aware of, the banking and business things they have to be aware of. So maybe making a business around coaching with that provides extra income for her and gives her the ability to generate, uh, as Shelley called it, evergreen content uh, that will always be there and always producing income for her. So. I like the idea that we're on the right track when it comes to uh, what's the uh, uh, strongest business strategies. So what profits can we expect? Can you read that? Yeah. Okay, do that and I'll do that. <laughs> okay. She's sitting literally across this uh, and we're looking at a, you know, a screen that's smaller than you guys are looking. Almost 40% of content creators want to grow as a solopreneur and are not interested in hiring employees or contractors. And a lot of times that's because we like our flexible hours. We don't want to wait on other people to get things done. We want to get it done in a timely manner. And uh, that's the reason that we don't work in corporate. We don't work for a boss. We don't work in a team is because we know that we can do it. We know it's important to us. We want to build our own business on our own timeline and have it all put together. And we're the ones that are responsible for every failure and every success. So that's why we like to be solopreneurs. And 40% of content creators want to do that. Uh, the other 60%, well, maybe they want to have a team. <laughs> maybe they want to delegate some things. Another 7% want to continue content creation as a hobby rather than grow their business. They just want to do it as a side gig. They like the full-time job that they have. Uh, they, they love that. And then this is a side thing. Maybe they have a podcast on the side or a newsletter, something that they enjoy doing, but it isn't a, about the money. It's about spreading their message and sharing their passion. The number one most profitable growth strategy for content creators is consulting and coaching, as we said. And that is a great way to begin to make money from your content creation. Uh, you have to know who is your audience, what is their main problem, how can you uniquely solve that problem, and what messaging can you put together to create an irresistible offer for that so that they come and purchase your offers. And uh, that could be, again, coaching, uh, or you could send out proposals to corporations or other uh, brands that you see that you could help. Hey, I can help you with your content marketing. I can do this, this, and this. Send them a proposal and start working as a consultant. Again, that's time for dollars, but it's a great way to get started. And it's the best way to make 
you know, the most amount of money. And if you're not sure how to create a proposal, uh, we demonstrated a product called Proposa that you can buy at AppSumo. Go back and look for that video if you don't know how to do a proposal because it's a template maker for you. It's a proposal template application uh, that helps you build a proposal for whatever uh, uh, whatever you're doing. So let's uh, cover the charts on the left because I think, on the right rather, because I think it's important. So when they asked, uh, how do you spend your time as a content creator? Well, 45% of them, almost 50%, said that they spend their time creating content, which is a perfectly rational thing to do. Now that doesn't mean necessarily you're creating, you're out there doing your selfie video every day. It means you're learning not only creating content, but learning how to create better content. And that may be learning about the equipment that you need to create better content. So all of that falls into that area of creating content. The next time, uh, the next amount of time that they spend, the next sizable amount of time is in distribution and promotion. And uh, Shelly is much better at that than I am. She knows all the ins and outs of using social media to do that. Her partner, Jen, actually pays someone to create uh, hashtag short videos for them so that they can promote it on channels other than uh, YouTube. Uh, marketing and sales takes up 15% of the time. Now, marketing could be uh, include advertising uh, and then business administration and operations because, after all, you are running a business, so you have to treat it like a business and you have to invest in that time. And if you can't, then get a friend or business partner to help you with that, the person who happens to be the expert at that. I take responsibility for all that effort on our side uh, because I it's it started with my bank account, my accountant, my attorneys, et cetera, et cetera. So I handle that all that on uh, this side. And then finally, things other. Other could mean talking with people uh, because I think if you can build a community around the content that you're creating. So if you're talking to, and, and I'll use the example of New Mexico day trips, we're talking with Jeep girl, Jody. We want to talk to people who are interested in travel, primarily in New Mexico, but if they want to do other trips is we'd like to hear with them. We'd like to hear what they're doing in terms of content creation uh, and what, uh, what they've learned from uh, what they're doing in content creation. So those are really interesting and find yourself a group, you know, birds of a feather flock together, find other people. And it's really easy on YouTube because you can look at, you can look at other channels. First, you can look at other channels that are doing something similar to what you're doing and then reach out to them talk to them, say, leave a comment. I'm trying to build a channel on New Mexico day trips. You know, have you got a couple of minutes that I could spend just talking with you about what you've done and how you've been successful? And you will be surprised to find that most of these people, even the bigger ones, will be happy to talk to you about what they're doing. Now you can watch their videos and you can learn from that. Uh, but I think having a conversation is even more helpful. Uh, even more useful. And I, I found that generally speaking, they're willing to be helpful. So try it out. It may not be YouTube. You may be on, you know, a, a, a blogger or a podcaster, but look for the people that are doing things similar to what you're doing and reach out to them. Uh, that's where they put their email addresses on there. Reach out to them and ask if they could give you 15, 20 minutes of their time so that you can understand uh, what helped to make them successful. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't feel like you can't do that. How much does it cost to be a content entrepreneur? That's funny, right? We're saying, oh, here's how much you can earn. Well, how much does it cost? Most creators report that they have to earn over $15,000 in annual revenue to meet their needs. And that could just be all of the costs involved in creating content, um, all of the pieces of software that you're using and um, 
you know, paying for that accountant to help you with your taxes or um, those social media scheduling apps. There's a lot of things that we use that, uh, you know, you, you don't realize how much it adds up until you go to do your taxes or figure out your uh, profits and losses for the year. Creators tend to use their savings or disposable income from another job to pay for startup and operations costs with some, just over 20%, using credit cards or loans. So what I did was I latched on to somebody who has a retirement income <laughs> so he could take care of all the little things that I couldn't afford, uh, which makes us great partners because I do the work to kind of fill in for the amount of money that he's putting into the business so that it works out, it balances out. So I, I'm probably fall into that category of uh, uh, people who have a disposable income that they can use for these kind of things. Now, I certainly don't spend all of my disposable income. I use it for other things like traveling to see grandchildren and things like that. And I never overspend my disposable income. I don't end up in some kind of debt to find something or or if it is debt, it's short-term debt. When we bought the boat, trailer and motor, I just decided I'll use a firm. Their interest rate is 10%. That's good. And I'll pay it off in a year. Uh, so I'm always conscious of those things. But uh, I do my disposable. This is my not only what I do to make a living. Well, I don't make a living. I'm, I'm, this is what I do to help me keep active and pass the time in a uh, not necessarily profitable way, but in a good way. This is healthy for me. And, and my doctor agrees with that. So it doesn't <laughs> bother me to take a little bit of my disposable income and invest it on what Shelley calls toys. Um, and uh, I agree with her. They are in a way they're toys. Uh, I get to play with them and I get to use them, learn how to use them. And then I can figure out whether or not we can use them in the work that uh, that we're doing. Uh, New Mexico day trips required me to go back and look at the equipment that I had for producing what we call field video. And I had to update and upgrade some of it. And it's been a three or four weeks worth of, you know, hello, Amazon, goodbye money. Uh, but it's worth it. And um, and it's fun for me. So I, I don't mind making the, and I, I consider it an investment. Will I get all of that money back one day? I don't know. But I, I think it's better that I'd be willing to do it without any expectation of return, because I think that's when the return comes, when you don't expect it, when you just work towards it, uh, rather than just expect it to happen like a ma magic. I was surprised to see the number of folks that use credit cards and or loans I think it's perfectly rational, but you have to be prepared. You have to be able to uh, to pay that off. So if you're just continuing using one loan card, uh, you know, burying one credit card and getting another and burying that one and then getting another, that's not what that means. And, I'll, and again, I'll use the example. We wanted to buy the boat. I wanted to buy the boat. I don't think Shelly really had, had any input on any, that. Any, <laughs> Well, you didn't have opinions on it. It was well, like your opinions. Was like, were, it's your money. You yeah, buy yeah. what you want to buy. So, and that was a $6,000 investment. I thought, well, I could dip into my savings or I can get a low interest loan. Uh, and I decided on a low interest loan that'll be paid off in 12 months. And that payout, that payout, that monthly amount fits in well into my um, income. And so that didn't bother me, but I wouldn't do that so that I had more loans than I had the ability to pay them. Uh, would not get to that uh, point. Yeah. Friends and family is good. My friends and family, that's my friend. And yeah, uh, 
like that's where I get it from. (laughs) (laughs) And my family has better things to do than to support my avocations. But you know, we talk about our expenses. So if I want to, for instance, we're working on websites today. And I said, okay, we pay $20 a month for this one website. Let's just get a $69 site from AppSumo that does the same thing. We'll put all that equi- all that information onto that site, and then we'll take that $20 a month that we're spending and get a new website that really works well for us, you know, for SEO, for uh, mobile access, for all of that. So that is our plan for today. And we discuss those uh, expenses and, and, you know, swap overs together so that we don't spend money on things that don't make sense. Right. And a content creator, as a content creator, you're going to need a website. And if you don't believe how important that is, having your own website on your own server, uh, watch last week's video where we talked to... um, Jason Bernard. Jason Bernard, who was very knowledgeable in the area of the importance of having your own website and what that meant in the long run. And he actually did an example online of what Google sees when you search for either Shelly Carney uh, or Toby Eunice. And when you look at the Shelly Carney search, it was more, much more effective and efficient than the Toby Eunice search. And I was kind of envious because I've been around longer than her, but she's been more effective at establishing her presence uh, on the internet. So take a look at that video. He was very, we went, We went a little bit longer than we usually do, but he was so informative, I couldn't help asking uh, questions of him. Next. Why do people choose to be a creator? So what benefits are going to be most important to you? Um, And you have to ask yourself this before you even get started. It's easy. It's a lot easier to decide what kind of content you want to create or what what area of expertise you want to delve into. Uh, It's much harder uh, to choose you know, what, what's important to you is, is making a living important to you. And if you look at the, again, I'm going to show this chart right here. I don't know if you can see when I, can they see when I put the arrow up there on the screen? No, no. So over on the far left, that that big orange (laughs) swath, we'd have to look at on, on, on screen. Um, The big orange SWAT, uh, nearly 30% or 33%, one third of the people that were interviewed say they want to be their own boss. They want independence. And that does give you a lot of bit. It's great not having to report to work at eight and get off at five. And I I just heard of some research yesterday that uh, Americans are becoming less efficient, that our productivity level has gone down. And I think as a result of the pandemic, we started to realize that we have no real value to the people who we're working for. They only want us there so that they can generate profits for themselves. And I think people are starting to realize that and they're starting to question, why am I here? What do I get out of this besides a salary? Well, there's some other things. There's security and, you know, investment income, et cetera, et cetera. But you start asking yourself, like, why am I doing this for them? And I mean, it helps that, you know, as I uh, look at my children, for example, on the East Coast, they all work for companies and they love working for those companies. So they love their work. So they're not in that. I'm not going to be more productive than or I'm going to be less productive than I can because I really don't like it here. But that is the reasoning. They want to be independent, not have to work for somebody else, produce income that directly applies 
to the effort that they're producing and not for somebody else. That's the big one. And you can see almost everything else. I don't think there's anything even close to that. The, the blue next, one is the enjoy next biggest, my work, which, yeah. you know, if you're going to enjoy it more because you're doing what you want to do and you're your own boss, then that makes yeah. sense. It kind of goes together anyway. So I'm going to do a really quick addition, 32 uh, 47, 60, 60% 60 of the respondents say independence, pursue my passion and, and enjoy, enjoy my, my work. work. Yeah. Working for someone else is almost the antithesis of those two, three things, right. you know? And again, this is the entrepreneurial uh, mindset. Right. And these are people who are entrepreneurs. Plus there's the adventure. I mean, if you've never, if you've never entered uh, if you've never tried to be an entrepreneur, build your own business, you happen to live in the country that is the greatest example of the implementation of the Adam Smith's thoughts on capitalism than any other country in the world. Anybody can build a business in America. And it's constantly proven, and I, I get an argument every time I hear this, the most successful entrepre entrepreneurs in the United States, on average, in terms of percentage of uh, independent success are people who have come here from other countries. Uh, and I've always said that they seem to understand one of the reasons they come here is because they see an economy that is built around hard work and entrepreneurism and individualism. And I think sometimes when, when as Americans, since we get opportunities to work for other people, it's just easier. It is easier and it does provide an income, but if you want to be a millionaire, You've got to start your own business. If you want to be happy, uh, well, I know a lot of unhappy entrepreneurs, but <laughs> if you want to do those things like pursue your passion, enjoy your work, and be independent, tr take a shot at being an entrepreneur. And I guarantee you there is something that you know that is valuable to somebody else. And I see it all the time. Uh, I, and I've, you know, I'm an example of that. I never worked for somebody else. Uh, unless I was working in the military or the government or prior to college, you know, that kind of thing where you're doing um, work for other people. How many followers do you need to be considered a content creator, content entrepreneur? Well, micro and nano influencers tend to have under a thousand followers and mega influencers tend to have 1 million plus followers. 84% of business and marketing creators have under 10,000 followers or subscribers and 39% have under 1,000. And there is that um, book out there or saying or article, or I don't remember what it was, but it was about 1,000 true fans. And if you have 1,000 true fans or even starting off with 100 true fans, you have enough to have a business uh, in, in this country, in this industry. So uh, the creator economy is a great place to, you know, start out uh, even with very little. Because if you have a very specific audience that really listens to you, that's really um, that you're leading, then there are brands out there that who want to work with you because they want to have access to your audience that you've put together. Um, and what Shelly means is while you can have an audience of 10,000, you can, with a thousand, build a business around their need for the information that you have. And that could be, and I'll use Shelly as an example, it could be doing 
a, a weekly program on YouTube. It could be building a course. It could be building a membership site. It could be building an email list that generates activities to uh, activity towards all of these areas. And it's not necessarily just creating content. Creating content is the basis. Uh, and the basis for creating content is your expertise, but you need to leverage that into other things, membership, membership, uh, memberships, um, uh, newsletters, and uh, uh, courses that will generate additional income from the same content. It's not like you're creating a bunch of different content. I want to go through this. I was kind of disappointed to see this chart, and I know it's going to be hard to read because they tried to get a lot of information in a very small space, and they could have organized it a little better starting with the top. But the big one is when it comes to how do creators reach their target audience? Well, they use social media. We've seen them on social media. They're called influencers. Some influencers have, well, some influencers have millions of followers. Some influencers have less than a thousand. And it really depends on the area that you're in and what else that you're doing that uh, enhances their relationship with you. A good example is uh, our uh, one of the YouTube channels that we started that at one point had up to 7,000 uh, subscribers and, and many more viewers. And as a result, we were able to engage with them in a lot of different ways other than advertising and, and views. Uh, that we could help them with, and it made for an interesting model for us. Um, they also blog, Shelly does that, and they also have an email newsletter. We do that as well. If you're not already signed up for the newsletter, go to the newsletter, news.agkmedia.studio. And you'll start getting a weekly email from us that tells you about how uh, we've planned uh, the upcoming week. How do we reach our audience? The top channel the top channels, business and marketing creators used to reach their target audience. This doesn't make much sense, does it? The top channels business and marketing creators use to reach their target audience are social media platforms like TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Gen Z uses TikTok as a search engine more often than Google. And social media is becoming the go-to place for education and growth, e-learning. For business audiences, the other most common channels influencers use are email newsletters, blogging, both a personal blog and guest blogging, online events, educational materials, and podcasts. The least popular channels are print media and paid promotions. Um, the way that we set up the content consistency framework is that you can take advantage of all of these things. Social media is the top of the funnel. And you don't want to rely too much on these um, sites because you never know what's going to happen. For instance, TikTok is a Chinese-owned company. There's a lot of talk of um, stopping access to TikTok because of security uh, concerns. And privacy. And so if TikTok goes away, how many creators are heavily leveraged on TikTok and don't have their own? you know, their audience, meeting them anywhere else. They're going to lose their entire business uh, if they rely too much on that rented land of TikTok. Um, Gen Z uses TikTok a lot for many different things. What if it goes away? Well, let's think about that. If I see that happening, I see that coming down the pike, I can say, well, you know what? YouTube Shorts is a good alternative to TikTok. And if I build that up, then I have something if TikTok goes away. 
so you always want to be looking at uh, how can you move people off of social media onto your owned properties, like your email list, your podcast to some extent, because podcasting isn't going away and isn't going to be taken away. Uh, those companies are very big and and want to continue to exist by showing your content. YouTube, I believe, is the same way. Um, because, you know, it's a video podcast for the most part. And if you can get them on your email list and, and start talking to them through email, then you won't lose them if those platforms go away or change their algorithms. So I want to get to something that uh, Jeep Girl uh, said here. TikTok is a search engine. Oh, man. Well, uh, I probably should remind you that YouTube is the most active search engine behind Google. Uh, and more than any other of the search engines. So it's rational to think that the Gen Zers who kind of grew up on TikTok will use it as a search engine for other than the things that appear on A, their FYP, their For You page, or their followers page. Because if you go to TikTok and you search how to make fried rice, you'll find videos on how to make fried rice. So it's in that sense they're using it. Now, could they say... Just show me the next, what's that dance? Shuffle step? Yeah, you could do that. But like YouTube, there's a bunch of other stuff on TikTok that isn't presented to you because you may not necessarily be uh, approving it as it slides through on your For You page, right? And you can get stuck in things like, uh, for example, oh, I don't use this example because it's political and I try to avoid the political stuff. But the important thing to remember is that if you look at this last one, email, newsletters, blogging, online events, educational materials, uh, Shelly does, Shelly and I do all of that. Now, some of that that we do is Shelly takes this and after the show, she'll process it. So it goes to a, um, a podcast and, and the podcast then goes to places like Anchor and Spotify. And then after that, she creates a blog post for it. And after that, she uses the blog post to populate her LinkedIn account. And then after that, she sends it to me. And when I make the newsletter on uh, Monday evenings, I use that as one of the pieces in the newsletter. So we started with this show, but it goes into all the other uh, uh, platforms that we can use to leverage this one piece of content. And that's an important thing to remember because you're working as one, maybe a two-person operation, and you want to be able to utilize whatever you create as many ways as you can possibly think of. And uh, I guess what I can tell you in this area, and I'm sure uh, Shelly would agree, is that there are a lot of platforms out there that enable you to leverage one, one of your pieces of content in a variety of ways without having to make a significant investment in time to learn the platform. They make it easy to learn so that you can use it. They tell you when you're making mistakes and they mostly provide, the majority of them provide uh, analytics to see if, uh, if that's worthwhile for you. Yes, across all platforms uh, on social media and then make sure that you're getting them onto your earned, uh, onto your owned uh, platforms like your email list and you know, listening to your podcast your blog. and you're reading your blog on your website. Conclusions. There is a market for people who know and know how to create credible content. And, and what I mean by that is uh, uh, the market for people who know stuff, right? So I spent a career learning how to do a broad variety of things, but mostly I applied my skills in photojournalism and documentary making, and some knowledge in the area of what the intelligence community does. I know that. But 
I need to know how to create credible content from that. And that's what's important. There is a market out there. If you have an area in which you are an expert or consider yourself an expert, there are people who would love to uh, share in your expertise and, and we'll use Jeep Girl. Uh, Jeep Girl could form a, a channel on TikTok that says, that's called Accounting Practices for Entrepreneurs, Starting Entrepreneurs. And that will get searched by the Gen Zers on TikTok and they will find you. And all you're doing is creating short videos. I think it's up to 10 minutes now um, uh, on what the entrepreneur should be doing. You're building your credibility with that. And eventually one of them reaches out to you and say, can I engage you uh, in some way to do business with you? So, yeah. Or QuickBooks contacts you and says, hey, we want to sponsor your content right. because that we want to be reach your audience. Right. Instant success is possible, but not likely. Uh, that's why you have to go into this expecting it to take up to two years before your business really takes off, before you reach a minimum viable audience so that you're not rolling a rock up the hill every day and it starts to roll down the hill a little bit for, for you. So, and you have to be realistic about things. Number one, I can go on Instagram. I don't get presented them because I, I don't like them enough. You know, I don't do enough likes and I'll scroll past them. And I could start, uh, so I see a lot of men, not necessarily in my age group, although there are some who make their Instagram all about their uh, fashion and they have brands that support them and they look good and they get to do stuff that we wouldn't do. They call, you know, they're influencers, but there's also a TikTok called annoying Instagrammers or something like that. And it's just videos of people behaving crazily so they can make their Instagram videos. I could do that, but I look at those guys and they're tall and dark and handsome and uh, wear nice clothes. Not that, that I didn't wear. And I'm, and I'm not, I don't, think of myself as tall, dark, and handsome, but it, I don't need to. What I know is how to make a living at understanding technology and applying it to things like streaming and podcasting and uh, documentary making, especially digital document, et cetera, et cetera. So you don't have to be pretty. Not that, not that it doesn't help, but you don't have to be Pretty. If you're just taking advantage of your prettiness, you better be doing something with yeah. makeovers and makeup and fashion. Uh, if you're just putting pretty people on TV or on your videos to get views, then you're not really a content creator. You're just exploit exploiting pretty yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> That's my feeling on it. Unique content presented innovatively wins. Many of us like to look at other creators, see what they're doing, what's succeeding, and you know, borrow from that. Okay, that's working. Let me try that. But how can you put a different spin on it? What is going to make it different enough that people will choose your brand instead of somebody else's? My favorite thing is to go to YouTube. And YouTube is very funny about presenting me stuff. It knows kind of what I'm looking at. And so it always presents me that kind of stuff. I like looking at channels that are off center, right? Like, well, why am I being presented this? But you look at them and they have uh, a video that has 250,000 views and they have 2.1 million subscribers. And so although it doesn't make a lot of sense for me to spend time watching that because I may not have an interest, I, ha I don't have an interest in catching, um, what are those fat fish that get down to the bottom? Not carp? No, catfish? Catfish? There's another name for them. I don't know. Bottom Any, feeders? Whatever the bottom feeders <laughs> Well, this guy is making a video just running up and down the Green River, and I, I think it's Tennessee or Kentucky, 
And those are his videos. And he has 2.1 million subscribers. And, and I want to see what he's doing that gets him that number of views. And, and you know what he's doing. That number he's exploiting pretty people. He's exploiting. He is exploiting pretty people. But he talks about fishing. And you look at it. And uh, if you can exploit pretty people and do it on a boat in the middle of a river catching catfish, then you have yourself a YouTube channel, right? So um, I don't know. It's just- Is a, that a business? I don't know. Is it is 2.1 million subscribers a business? Yeah, but if you have to make the same thing all the time and you you better like it, you better love it. Um, and he's, well, we won't get you into that discussion. Stop. And what if the trend stops? Because some of these things are just trends and you ride the trend and then it's done. And then what do you do? So, so we can have this conversation because I fall, follow a bunch of mil, mil, million plus subscriber fishermen, basically. Mm -hmm. And they are not doing anything different from than what I do. Go out but fishing, they're except at they're, it consistently right. for a long time. And, and that's right. That's the point that I want to make. Yeah. The point I want to make is this guy was doing it for two years before he got to a thousand subscribers. Yeah. You know, and then suddenly you do something and you, you have the benefit of blowing up on, uh, on it. So. That's right. But the bottom line is. he's also outdoors. People love to watch outdoor yeah, videos. Yeah. They just do. Uh, bottom line is find content that's unique. Don't just be another accountant. Take a unique angle on it and present it in an innovative way. And that's what wins all of these things. And, and you have to study what's on in YouTube. You know, you have to look at YouTube and say, well, I'm very good at this. What, what, uh, let me search on YouTube and see what people are doing. Honestly, the, I, I look at a video for a guy talking about the latest piece of equipment that I bought. And I realized that took two days to produce, plan, produce, and edit before he could get that 20 minute video on YouTube. And the question I have to ask myself is, do I, do I want to do that? Is that you what are I want? doing that. Well, I am doing it, but those are our New Mexico day trips. Yeah, they are. They take you a couple of days. Yeah, they do. But I love it. Well, there you go. And you keep at it for two years. You well, too can have to... as many followers as they do. All right. Recommendations. Find your competitive niche. This is also called your tilt. Uh, that's what the tilt newsletter is all about. Find your tilt, your competitive niche, the way you do things that is different from the way other people do it. Even though you may have a similar audience to what other people have, how do you come at it differently? How are you unique? If you're going to start, start today. People, you know, you, you look at people's channels and you go, if only I'd started this two years ago, I'd be where they are. And so don't let that deter you from starting right now. Invest in success wisely. It is going to take an investment of your time, your effort, and your commitment. You have to be committed to being consistent as a content creator, or you just aren't going to make it. Uh, Adavio, I get this regularly on TikTok when I'm on my For You page, and it's basically senior citizens who are doing disc jockey work from their basement. I mean, there's a lot of them, not just a lot of seniors. There's a lot of do guys doing this, guys and ladies doing disc jockey work in their basement that have channels. I was surprised at the number of senior citizens who do it. And they have their shtick. You know, some of them do like 80s music or 70s music or even 60s music. But and they you can do get it. away with that on TikTok because they don't worry about using other people's music. Yeah. Yeah. TikTok uh, isn't a big, big on the whole copyright thing. Yeah. It's China. For so God's be sake, careful so if be it careful. goes away that what you yeah. can do, what you are doing can translate over to YouTube.
<laughs> friends and subscribers. We'd like to think so. I don't know if she's telling us that or Davio. Oh. <laughs> Maybe it's both. <laughs> Good point. Good point. <clears throat> All right. We want to tell you about a community that we are putting out there. We're going to see if we have enough interest. We keep trying this, you know, every now and then, every couple of six months, we'll put something out there and we'll say, is there any interest in this? Uh, if not, then we'll try again in six months. That is what marketing is. It's experimentation. This is something we would like to offer if there is interest. It's coaching and community for content creators. We have an application to join the Livecast Lifestyle membership community. It is for content creators, especially content creators in the second half of life. And you could be at any level. You could be uh, just wanting to become one. You could be just starting out. You might have a lot of questions about technology, or you might have a channel that you want to share with other content creators, or you're looking for collaboration partners. All people like that are welcome in this group. Fill out the application at membership.agkmedia.studio. If we get enough applicants, we will get a community started online. It will be a private community. It's not on Facebook. It would be in an application called Heartbeat, which is a whole separate thing. It's kind of like Circle or Mighty Networks. It's a separate place, just private for our group. And you would go in there and meet up with other content creators. If you don't want to meet up with other content creators, you just want private coaching from us to help you build your content creation business, then you can schedule a video chat to see if personal coaching is right for you at consulting.agkmedia.studio. If you are interested in getting the slides and the uh, report that we built this show on today, here is the link to that, and it's also in the description and the show notes, it's offers.hubspot.com slash thank you slash business of creators report. And again, that will be in the, uh, in the description. That's all we have for today. Sorry, it went so long. Uh, it was a lot of great information, a lot of great content. We want to make sure that we shared it with you because it is a brand new report and we want you to have the latest and greatest information available. Goodbye. Back to you, Shelley. <laughs> we'll see you again next week with another amazing presentation. And we hope that uh, you have a wonderful weekend and tune back in next week. And see you then. We look forward to seeing you guys. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for joining Messages and Methods Livecast Live 2.0, hosted by Shelley Carney and Toby Eunice. Please subscribe and leave a comment or question, and we'll consider your ideas for future shows. Share this podcast with your family and friends so they can learn about current digital marketing practices too. Check the show notes for links and resources and please come back again next week.